However you access this information, whether it's QHHT or other methods, to me, this is how you transform as much as possible in this lifetime on this planet is getting this information and it's the, and, and using it to your benefit and, and, and keeping going, accessing this information, learning from it uh, and, and transforming yourself. I, I think it's magical that way. I really can't think of anything more important than waking up to your true self. I mean, once you do that, every single thing in your life changes. It's like a whole new world opens up. I used to look at my life and think, there has got to be more. There is, and this is it. I'm Paige, and this is Spiritual Twenties. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Spiritual Twenties. My name is Paige, and this episode may push you out of your comfort zone. We brought on David Taylor, who is a practitioner of the quantum healing hypnosis technique, or QHHT. David talked to us about hypnosis therapy and past life regression. He shares with us his incredible journey of how he came to QHHT and soul work in general through his own healing journey. After a bicycling accident at the age of 20 and a later diagnosed brain tumor, David went from traveling the world and working in finance to needing emergency brain surgery and eventually became addicted to the various painkillers that he was prescribed. David tells us how it was through this journey that he began to ask what is his purpose in life and he began to learn about past life regression. He tells us about some of the fascinating things he learned about his own soul's history and more importantly he shares why these lessons can be so powerful like in his experience how he learned about confidence, presence, and insight into his own brain tumor. David breaks down what a QHHT session actually looks like. He tells us about how it came into practice, where it comes from, and how and why we could all use QHHT and other soul work methods to transform and grow as much as we can in this life we have now. As a QHHT practitioner, David has come to believe that navigating our current incarnation in this human vessel is easier if we understand the reasons for our diseases, and he believes that many diseases are linked to unresolved traumas from past lives. He has found past life regression to be one of the best ways to uncover one's ancestral traumas so that they can be worked on in a focused manner. In David's case, the past life traumas and their lessons were connected to his purpose in life. He believes his clients can combine the revelations of a QHHT session with taking action on a personal level in order to transform their lives. His aim is to leverage his experience and understanding of how we can uncover ancestral traumas into facilitating a session that anybody will benefit from. 
As you'll hear in the episode, David is a wonderful and fascinating person, and I will link all of his information, where you can find him, how you can book a virtual session, and where you can learn more about QHHT in the show notes. Like I said, this episode may push you out of your comfort zone a bit, so as always, I invite you to enter with an open mind and heart. Without further ado, here is David Taylor on quantum healing hypnosis technique and past life regression. Hello, David. Hi, Paige. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I'm really excited for this conversation. I know that I have a lot to learn here, and I know that so many people are going to be really interested in this one. So I'd love for you to start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do and just your your story. Okay, great. Okay, well... um, I, I went to uh, <clears throat> university here in, in Vancouver, Canada, where I live, and that's where I grew up. And uh, while I was um, at university, I, um, I got uh, in a, um, a cycling accident when I was 23 years old in downtown Vancouver, which uh, resulted in a head injury, which I recovered from. And later on, I, I went to uh, work in Japan, and I went to work in finance after I graduated. But little by little, uh, whatever was going on with me, kind of um, eventually the head injury manifested itself into um, tingling in my face. And ultimately, about 12 years after that uh, cycling accident, I was uh, diagnosed with a benign brain tumor. Mm. So yeah, so as a result of that, you know, my life uh, changed pretty quickly. I had to stop work. I I um, had a bunch of interventions, including brain surgery, and there was just a period of five years when I couldn't work. And part of the program uh, was to put me on painkillers. I eventually became addicted to those painkillers. So I was addicted to, you know, the whole laundry list of um, (laughs) the prescription uh, opioids from you know, starting out with Tylenol 3, Vicodin, Percocet, and Oxycontin, and then uh, morphine, and then eventually on methadone, which I was uh, uh, on for uh, 10 years. So in total, I was on um, yeah, opioids for about 15, 15 years of my life. And, and that was, uh, you know, pretty difficult for, for me and my family. It was very hard on my family. I lived in, and worked in a fog, basically. And so I was just medicated all day long. I would just have this jar of morphine that I would pound in addition to the methadone. Had sleeping pills every night to go to sleep. Uh, pretty, you know, poor quality of life. So, um, yeah. So, you know, luckily, luckily my wife finally put her foot down and said, you know, um, this is no way to live. You, you know, we've got to, we got to change this, this pattern that we're in and, and, you know, it's up to you, you have to change and we'll give you time. And so I started to really work on, on things. And, um, it was, it was a challenge to get off the methadone. Uh, it took me three years. Yeah. It's very addictive. If you, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you get the, 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 the night sweats and the, and the crawling and the cramps and the aching. And the first time I tried, I, I, I couldn't do it. And I, and I stopped, but the second time I medicated with medical marijuana. So I was able to get off the, um, the methadone. 
So, yeah. So by this point I was like, finally I had some clarity and, you know, I had realized that what I had been doing was medicating myself over the, um, over the pain because I thought uh, my mission, uh, a lot of, maybe a lot of guys feel this way. I I just felt my mission is to take care of my family, no matter what. And I hadn't been working. I felt I got to work. So I got to take all this medication. I have my own brokerage firm. We would raise money for uh, junior companies and take them public here. And, um, I thought that was my mission. And when I finally was able to get off the methadone and have a bit more clarity, I realized that, uh, that I need to, to really kind of look at um, my beliefs about what I was supposed to be doing in my life. Yeah. Right. And so, so through that, so at that point, you know, I had gained a lot of weight at one point um, being on a methadone. Um, I gained over like a hundred pounds more than I am now. Wow. And so, yeah, so I was on the hip replacement list for, for both hips and I just, I got to the point where I just really didn't want to go through with that. So luckily, um, my chiropractor set up this um, uh, exercise routine for me. I started to lose a lot of weight, started to strengthen myself. And um, uh, he was the one that got me interested in uh, near-death experiences, which led to me getting interested in hypnosis. But uh yeah, two years after I started that exercise routine, and uh, actually I had breakfast with him yesterday. He's a dear friend now, because two years after I started that exercise routine, and you know, Canada we have socialized medicine, so there's a waiting list to have a hip replacement. So um, it's like two year wait. So I go in to see the doctor, and I was like, I, I was like, yeah, I, I don't know that I need need it anymore. And he's like, well, you know, it's your turn now. It's up to you. And I said, you know, I said, I, I think, I think I'm good, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, so I've been able to stick with the original equipment, you know, and I didn't need to have that replacement. I lost a uh, hundred pounds. And, uh, and so that's when I, you know, that's when I really got started getting into, you know, hypnosis and started taking uh, hypnosis sessions to find out more about what my real purpose is in life and, and kind of putting aside, not discarding, but putting aside this idea that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to like destroy myself to, to provide for my family. Yeah. Wow. You have such a powerful story and I have, I have more questions if you don't mind, but it's, I mean, first of all, I just definitely have to honor you for, I mean, that's absolutely, you're in the vast minority, as you know, but I just feel really called to speak to that, that overcoming not only one of any of the things that you mentioned, but all of them, the whole of them, even, you know, from the original accident to brain tumor, to uh, gaining all the weight, to all of the onslaught of pills that you were prescribed, which is just so, so crazy that, you know, any one of those can be life ending for so many is tragically life ending for so many. So just, I'm so happy that, that you're here and just as such a testimony to, you know, what's possible. And that's one of the reasons why I felt really called to you in the first place. And Mm -hmm. give us an update on on your health now, just for people wondering, like, oh my gosh, there were so many things there. And, and so what, you know, where, where does everything stand now? Uh, yeah. So thanks. Yeah. You know, it's a lot, of, um, it's a, it's still a lot that I'm going through. Um, you know, I, in order to get off the methadone, I did use medical marijuana and I became dependent on that for quite a while. Um, 
And then I stopped and then I kind of had a bit of a relapse last summer, but I think that was partly caused by what was going on in the world with the, with right. the vir- virus and whatnot. But since last September, early September, I just, I, I stopped again. I actually don't touch it anymore. It was the um, uh, ability to um, reposition my perspective on my discomfort. So the discomfort is still there. The discomfort that the painkillers were masking is still there. Um, you know, and I'll still have uh, days when I need to take time for myself and and, and reschedule things. But um, sometimes that uh, that is um, a way to go inward and, and learn about the messages. So I believe that all of this is a, these are just messages for me. And there's something for me to learn from in this life. So it's it's something for me to embrace and accept. And it's not easy, but it's right. something something for me to experience and learn from. Yeah, wow. It's it's almost like I, I hate to compare experiences and that's not my intention at all, but I just have to say that yeah. it's almost more like there's more gravity to it and that it's not that the pain disappeared. It's that you you've learned how to control it or to be with it or to, you know, totally shift in, in such a way that you're absolutely right that, you know, I've had a lot of men on the show talking about masculine roles and just, you know, the ways that we've come into being the stories, the programming that we have, and that so many men and women, but especially men, you're right, have this like, but at all costs. And that has turned into so many of us completely destroying our bodies and, and living in this way that it doesn't matter, we'll just mask it, we'll just get it through it. You know, and and that can be as benign as things I always preach about, like social media and Netflix, which are great here and there, but and can be useful. But when we're living our life, going from thing to thing to thing, numbing ourselves out, it's kind of like exactly the question that you asked and that, you know, your wife posed, like, is this a way to live? Is this living? And my answer to that is no. And I think that, you know, we share in that, that the and everybody's purpose to life, one thing we can say about it is to live it and mm-hmm. not to be numbed out through it, not to be band-aiding through it. And it's just, yeah, really, really powerful because any one of those things that you've experienced could be more than enough to send somebody into a lifetime of just numbing out, band-aiding, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm just going to get through, do what I have to do, keep my head down, that kind of mentality. And so I love how that shifted in you and you chose, you made the decision, which is not easy at all to do, to say, actually, you know what, I think that I'm going to choose life. And so I guess that's kind of what brought you to the, to learning about this hypnosis technique. Is that Mm -hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So through, it was the chiropractor friend of mine that uh, told me uh, about uh, 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 this woman called Dolores Cannon and this uh, hypnosis technique that she had developed. Um, and so I started to look into it and it, it was called QHHT. So that stands for quantum healing hypnosis technique, which I later learned. And so, yeah, I, I, I started uh, watching the videos on uh, YouTube, uh, read a few books. Um, she had passed away actually just a couple of years before I found out about her. She passed away in 2014, but uh, she had been a hypnotist, and in the 1980s, she had uh, developed um, ways of hypnosis to get people to a, a deeper state. 
By that, I mean a uh, deeper brainwave state. And so right now we're talking in um, what you could call a beta or a high beta brainwave state. It's a very active brainwave state. Um, somebody you might see on a debate is in a very active uh, high beta brainwave state, which uh, typically you don't stay in that state for a long time because it's like um, you know, driving a car with your pedal, pedal to the metal as fast as you can. It burns a lot of energy fast. And then if you, you're just, you know, with, at dinner with your family, you're probably in a beta state. If you zone out watching a movie or pass a, a miss an exit on a highway, you've probably dropped into a light trance. And that's like the next kind of one down. This is alpha. So high beta, beta, alpha. And um, that's what traditionally a lot of hypnosis used. Uh, they got people into that uh, light trance alpha state. Then there's a level below that called theta. And the theta state is um, something that uh, we humans pass through naturally at least twice a day when we wake up and when we go to sleep. And um, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a more quieter brainwave state. So it's less active. And it's what um, the Japanese, for example, the Japanese Gen Zen Buddhist monks use to try and have out-of-body experiences. They'll, you know, tr lie down to go to sleep and then try right before they fall asleep to wake up and, and, and pull their body, uh, their physical, their body out, you know, their etheric body out of their physical body. So that's the theta state. And, you know, the young kids are, um, are in a theta state when they're born and, you know, they're talking to imaginary people and they can drink a, a cup of tea, like a girls play tea party. My daughter would play tea party with no tea in it. And she would tell me how delicious the tea was, you know, they're in this like amazing, um, you know, primary uh, theta uh, brainwave state. And then below that is Delta and Delta is, is sleep. So, um, so Delta is sleep. And, you know, you heard about, you know, when people uh, are asleep, their, their hearing's off, their vision's off. So your sensory perception is just not there. And that's how, you know, cat burglars exploit that. They can walk around a house and someone's in deep sleep and they don't even notice because their hearing's off and their vision's off. And that's in Delta, deep sleep. The one above it, Theta, you've got your eyes closed. So you've, that sensory perception isn't there, but your hearing is still turned on. So, um, so the hypnotist, the practitioner can still talk to the client and ask questions of the client and get responses. Um, and so what Dolores Cannon developed was a technique, and she was guided to do this. Uh, she talks about that. She was guided to uh, create a method to take people from um, the beta state down, not just to alpha, but one step lower to this theta brainwave state, where um, uh, you can access the same kind of information uh, that, um, uh, say, a little kid might access, you know, um, and so it allows us to access our oversoul or our higher self or our subconscious and ask questions. And so um, what the practitioner, the role of the practitioner um, is to take uh, the individual and, uh, and take them into that trance state, monitor their physical conditions. Sometimes people get cold or they want to go to the washroom. And, you know, if they're in a trance state, they might be a little groggy, but um basically help the, help the person uh, be their support person in those cases, but also mainly to, to facilitate the asking and answering of questions. And so uh, somebody comes to a session with a list of 10 to 15 questions. Typical questions are about their purpose in life, um, about things that might have happened to them, health issues, uh, relationship issues, career issues, whether somebody should move, um, 
these kind of questions are you know typical. And so it's the role of the practitioners because once that person is in that theta state, you can't just wake wake them up and say, well, what should I ask next? You know, once they're right. in that theta state, they're there, right? So right. so that so the, so the role of practitioners to get the person in that theta state, keep them there. Um, uh, ask uh, their questions, ask follow-on questions. Um, we take a recording, an audio recording, uh, when the person's in that state, and that's for integration later, which is provided to the client. And then um, we count the client out after being in that trance state for about two to two and a half hours. The client's counted back out up to a, you know, the beta state. And then we do a little brief debrief, you know, maybe half an hour to an hour uh, depends on, you know, the material. Um, so, yeah, so the whole process is like uh, five to five to six hours because we do a, um, we do an interview at the beginning to go over the questions. So the client comes with the 10 to 15 questions and we need to get the background of that because, you know, I have a, a, a relationship issue with Edna, you know, you get the question. It's like, well, who's Edna, you know, and that, but, but then in the interview, you find out, Oh, Edna is aunt Edna and it's her favorite relative. And she spends a lot of time with aunt Edna and uh, uh, when she was young and then she, uh, aunt Edna passes and uh, what she wants to, you know, about the relationship and you know what, what why she was so close to Aunt Edna so you get all the see we need to get all this context so that when we're asking the client in the trance state about Aunt Edna um, we understand enough of the background that we can ask you know quality follow-on questions to get right. deep into the topic yeah 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 that makes sense yeah yeah. So then and afterwards, the client leaves and they've got uh, a recording. Uh, maybe we email it to them or they get a USB stick and then they listen to that as their integration. So just like um, any kind of healing at a retreat, for example, you've got to integrate the experience. And so they'll be advised to uh, listen to that, um, such as before they go to sleep over a period of time to really integrate and 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 make the the knowledge and the information that was gathered during the session um, to help make that, that stick. Um, because people, once they leave the healing, you know, they go back to their regular job, their regular life. And so we want that um, information to, to, to be embedded in the, in the subconscious. And so some people will play the recording under the pillow at night, for example, when they sleep to make sure it really gets infused. Right. And so, Talk to us. Well, actually, first I'll start with. So you got into this because of this asking of what is my purpose here? Okay, I'm I'm realizing that I don't think that my purpose is just to push through the pain of life and and mm-hmm. kind of live the way that you are living. Is that what it was that really drew you? Like what drew you to keep learning more and to keep diving into this? Well, you know, uh, this is my truth, so it might not be everybody's truth. But it's, it's, it's what I believe. I believe we've all had many, many uh, past lives. Um, if you, uh, you know, could be in the thousands. We're basically every session, and I work with plant medicine as well, and it's very similar. Every session with, uh, for me, uh, I, I like to work with hypnosis and uh, plant medicine. So I've been hypnotized about 13 times. In a typical session, you'll see at least two past lives. So through hypnosis, I've looked at, you know, over a couple of dozen past lives and several through uh, working with plant medicine. And so you start to really understand um, your strengths and weaknesses in, in this life and, um, and, and what you need to 
do to work on, for example, ancestral traumas, but also the gifts that you've given that uh, can be deployed to um, help yourself, advance yourself, and also help other people and serve other people and, you, and how you can use your gifts. And so, yeah, you know, I found out that um, I was a seamstress in, in India and my husband left me and we were very poor in a mud hut. And um, I found out that I, I was poor because I didn't have the confidence to um, ha- open my own shop. And so I was giving all the profits to the wholesaler who would then take my, um, my goods and sell them in the market. So this is, that was a story about confidence. And then there was another story where I was in an Indian tribe doing relations with the, the railway because the railway was being built through our land at that time, a couple hundred years ago. And a same, very similar theme was about confidence. I didn't rise to the, the, the highest status. I could have been the chief of the tribe, but I didn't. But I, I held a very prominent position. So, so those two past lives gives me a bit of an indication about something I need to uh, work on in myself about my own self-worth that I'm worthy. Um, and then <clears throat> the um, brain tumor was more related to an issue with um, a past life that I had. I, I was in the Battle of um, Hastings, the ba- uh, 1066, when William the Conqueror crossed the English Channel uh, to invade um, Britain. And um, it's interesting that after I found out about that through a hypnosis session, um, I uh, found out that some of my family, my cousin's uh, husband, um, their family was actually very senior management, like, you know, part of the core group with William the Conqueror. And they're, wow. they're pretty famous. And um, they're, they're actually, if you want, even on Wikipedia and talk, look at the Battle of Hastings, their family name is in, is in that um, entry. So, uh, so yeah, I was in the Battle of Hastings and I was a French soldier and I had a sword and a shield and I was fighting on the field. Um, and I lost my sword and I lost my shield and my head was cut off and, um, and I died and I died, but my, my spirit didn't leave the body. My soul didn't leave the body. Uh, it wanted to stay with the body. It was in denial that the body would die. So I've had this issue in this life of, um, different situations in, in, in my past from my youth to, um, to even, you know, 10, 10, 20 years ago of like freezing my body in certain situations like um when i would get anxious when i was a kid experiencing fear and it was a disassociation from my head and my body so that's um that knowingness that i had had my head cut off and that i was in denial that that wound was enough to um uh, terminate that life uh was something that has um uh, guided me to become more present in my body uh, get you know get out of my head so to speak so, so that was really um, intriguing, and then um, I had a past life in uh, in India where I was a teacher. Um, so that you know was a bit of an indication about another potential you know gift that I I, I might uh, uh, develop more. But then I found out. See, it was very interesting because um, this is like peeling back the onion. So when I had a QHHT session, I found out that I was in the Battle of Hastings um in 1066 for for about three months my symptoms completely went almost completely like 99 percent went went away like the my my symptoms that i talk about is like the numb i have numbness in my face i have nerve pain from the um from from the brain tumor because because the it's affected the bundle of nerves that goes to your to your face and whatnot and so um 
so uh, you know i was um you know in this battle and uh and that that trauma was released so that the 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 discomfort was removed and then it came back so i was like oh my god what's going on now so i did more investigation and so i had a past life session and they said well that's not the only thing it's like oh okay and then i went for a channeling and they said oh yeah well you your head was blown off and then i did plant medicine and i see that i'm in this war and I'm shooting at these invaders and somebody uh, uh, fires a bomb at me and it lands right beside me and blows my head off. So this is what happens when you start peeling back the layers of the onion is, right. is you, you, you know, you're, you're dealing with all of these uh, traumas that have accumulated um, over time. And so the, uh, because I, I now started to understand a bit more about why the, um, the discomfort had come back because I had just deal with the, you know, some trauma on the outer layer. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I looked into more uh, past life experiences. One was, um, in world war one and I, I was with my sister and we got separated from the picnic party we were uh, with. And they, then uh, the town was invaded and it was just me and my sister and we tried to escape. It was on the coast. Uh, uh, we were being invaded. Um, we managed to steal a boat, but I couldn't control it. It was a very big boat. It was the only thing I could find. And uh, it, it, the boat sank. And, and, my, and my sister died, that I was supposed to take care of, died because I was the older brother. So, so that's where I started to realize where this, um, it, at least part of this uh, feeling of need to t- needing to take care of my wife came from. Because my wife in this life is my sister in that life. Right. So I, had, so I was like, oh, so that's why I have such a strong feeling to take care of her. And then, but then in that, in that regression, um, you know, as uh, our spirits went to the spirit world, she said, look, I forgive you. Um, and um, you did the best that you could, you know. So so little by little, you start to put together these pieces, you know, after you do these the, these sessions. And, um, and you start to understand um, what's going on. And, you know, um, I, and I, start, I started to go back farther and farther and, and plant medicine also allowed me to go back farther and farther. But, but basically it, it, um, it gives you these uh, concepts that then you can work with. Like you were clearing um, ancestor, I'm clearing ancestral trauma, trauma that is coming into my physical body because it's attached energetically to my soul from experiences my soul have had has had in other physical incarnations yeah yeah oh man I have so many questions I'm so thank you so much for sharing all that really I really appreciate it and I really love how you explained everything where you said it in a way that you know when you told us about an experience it was then that the takeaway from that is not to, because I, it's, it's funny, I just was recently talking with somebody who had had, who knows something about a past life and their experience with someone that they were with and that they were really clinging to the story of what happened. And of course, I think that that's a human instinct. You know, I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this episode who are like mind boggled, right? Like what? And, uh, and I know that it can be a human, a human tendency to cling to that story. But I love how you framed it in that in each, while it's 
with the knowledge of what happened is the thing to take away from it, which is like, for example, that something that you can embody in this lifetime is growing in confidence and this growing in your, what it means to take care of somebody and what really is your role and what isn't. And I just really wanted to, to punchline that for, for people that why we do this. Yes, it's cool to know, right, about these stories and we all love stories and that's, it's beyond cool, of course, it's part of the experience. But in addition to that, what we really take away is the gifts and the lessons that we've learned in past lives and that can help us to do this life to the best that we can. And I just really wanted to, to make that punchline about why you know, why, why I personally see the real benefit is, is less to get so caught up. And, you know, so you're telling everyone and your brother, oh, I was in the battle of such and such. And it's, and more so that you have the knowing that this is something that you can grow from and heal from. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, to punchline that first of all. And then I guess, so to, to help people kind of coming along to this, Talk about a bit about this, about past lives and how, I, I like how you said energetically, and I think that that's where the answer is going. But again, I'm a student of this as well. So how is this information stored within us? And, and you know, as much bridging the kind of what we would tell people, Joe Schmo off the street, and, and then speaking to our spiritual audience, who's kind of already in on the fact that you know, our souls have been here before. However you feel the, the need to explain, like how would you explain why this is a thing that we can access our soul's previous lives? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's one of these things where um, in my experience, uh, women gravitate, uh, first of all, to um, hypnosis more than men. As a guy, when I approach uh, a lot of my male friends, they are very suspicious. They say, oh, I'm making it up. I'm imagining things. It's a fantasy. It's not real. And, and you know, it's my personal opinion, but I think it's because guys traditionally uh, needed, were the ones that went hunting. And so they needed to get meat and so that people could eat and they used a weapon so it's all very physical they built the house and the guys put the roof on the uh, on the house and the women took care of the crops and the and, and the children um and the guys were the ones that you know defended the town from attackers so it's very material it needs something very tangible and this is not this is not tangible uh there's no evidence that any of this is true whatsoever and so um uh, for a fe- for a female and uh, for a caregiver to a child and to, to be able to nurture that child so that they can be uh, become a fulfilled adult, there's no evidence to that either. There's no actual proof. Like, where's that actual proof of love? Like, you can't touch it. It's not like a, a spear or an axe. So, so um, I, I really feel a lot like um, there's an opportunity for more men to to um, access this, but. Just overall, I, I feel that this information is stored in our cells. I just, I, I just feel this, this knowingness that, um, that, that this is a, this is a truth. And you know, I look at the alternative to not believe this. And right. you know, my my neurosurgeon probably six years ago told me, 
He says, the nothing, there's nothing more I can do for you. And so I got all this, still have all this nerve pain. I got headaches. I got singing. He says, nothing more we can do for you. We've done it. We've done our best. You know, it's like, okay. And, and so, um, so we need, we need, we need better solutions. I needed, I needed better solutions. And I feel, and I feel that um, our soul has a, has a purpose for our incarnating in this human vessel. We have a life plan. We have a blueprint. And um, in my case, um, I believe my uh, soul made the decision to take on this life because it believed that it could do it. Um, and that's what I have to tell myself when I'm, you know, uh, having a, a rough evening, for example, with a headache or a nerve pain. Is it, is it okay, you, I, I, signed, I signed up for this. I signed up for this because I believed I could do it. And so I took this on. I, I, and I, this is the blueprint of my life. And so, so if I signed up for this, it is incumbent upon me to figure out what I signed up for because without hypnosis or, or, or plant medicine and, and hypnosis is a lot more accessible to most people. So we'll stick with that. But without hypnosis, uh, um, I mean, you can get there maybe with meditation. Uh, it takes a lot of dedication and there may be other modalities, but hypnosis is a great way to tap into what your, uh, your life plan is and what your blueprint for this life is. And you can start peeling back the onion and, and actually begin to grow and transform and transform yourself within, within this lifetime. Right. Thank you very much. That was a really beautiful answer. Really, really beautiful. And I, I completely agree with, with everything that you said about that, even even the how so many people come into to things like this even meditation and absolutely i would say that i I've, I've been meditating for not not a very long time but it's definitely something that i practice regularly and you know working with the different brain waves and dropping into different states is something that that we can practice it's not as potent of course as as hypnosis or plant medicines most of the time but it's definitely something that we can work with. And I, I agree that so many people come into these practices from this place of, well, the what's the alternative? And the other thing wasn't working for me. And that's what I say about, you know, this show is called Spiritual 20s and it's about living a spiritual life, right? And to me, that means aligning everything you do with your soul and spirit. And that's why, you know, having you on the show knowing who our soul is, right, is the primary part of that. Like, who are you really? So that then you can align yourself to, to living the highest possible, the fullest expression of whatever that is. And it's going to be completely unique for each of us. And so why we come to this path of deciding to go our own way and deciding to choose our soul's path, as opposed to the, the maybe more numbed out path or the path where we're just kind of doing what we were told to do or what we think we're supposed to do. When we actively make this decision to choose to live a spiritual life, it's because we were doing the other thing and it wasn't working. And everybody that I have on the show, I don't do it on purpose, of course, but even in your story, you know, like what you were doing wasn't working. So we have to say, okay, well, what what else? There's got to be another way. And there is. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, and so really quick question with the hypnosis with QHHT, is it, 
always that you're going into a past life or is that kind of something that arises for some people and not for others? Like when you go into a traditional session, could you just kind of go with the questions and ask your higher self and that wouldn't necessarily show past mm-hmm. lives? Or how does mm-hmm. that work? Yeah, I know that's a good question, actually. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because it's something that we can delve into more. Yeah, so typically a client will... Um, will be in trance for two to two and a half hours. And about half of that time is spent looking at uh, past lives and then half talking to the higher self. And usually a client sees past lives. Sometimes they also see childhood scenes from their, their youth, important scenes. And occasionally they'll see a, a future scene, you know, which I guess you could call it future progression, but that's quite rare. And so first of all, um, those scenes are shown and the client sees those scenes. and then. For the second half, we ask to speak to the higher self or the subconscious or the oversoul. And when we speak to the um, uh, higher self, that's when we get context. So that's when we we say, uh, we ask the question, why was this person shown that scene? And so somebody comes in with a a question um, relating to anxiety then they're shown a past life where they were in a in a town and all the guys got killed and the women had to basically fend for themselves and survive and there was a shortage of resources and then they overcame that so um and they they, they flourished and so they're shown that scene so then when uh, and that's in the first half that's in the past life part and then when we go to the over the higher self part we ask the higher self why was this person shown that that scene oh to show that they were in a similar situation before they've done this before they they've got it inside them they prevailed before they don't have to be anxious they know how to do it and uh, the higher self will often say, oh, and, and this person knows that they do this really well and they do this really well in this life, right? And, and so the higher self adds more context to relate that past life scene to, um, to, to the, the question, one of those 10 to 15 questions that the client has, has, has brought in this example about anxiety. So the, the client um, can have that, that, that knowingness to help them uh, go, go forward. The higher self is basically, you know, it's like it's, if, if you imagine all of your past lives is like a really, really long movie. It's just grabbing, oh, you know, um, this client needs to see that scene for that question and that scene for that question and that scene and that life and, and boom, boom, boom. And because each life will do two, sometimes three um, past lives, sometimes more, but usually two to three. And then usually a few scenes in each in each life. So the, the client is seeing maybe, maybe say eight scenes from, and those scenes are all relevant to those, those, those questions. And so then the, when the higher self comes in, it, it brings context about why that she, that scene was shown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I have a question and I, if it's too much of a rabbit hole, just let me know. But what's coming up for me is I'm thinking about how, our subconscious is where we store, you know, kind of all of our beliefs and the things that happened in this life. Right. And that that's something that I work through a lot as far as, you know, I have, we have this belief, most of us have it right. Because somewhere in childhood, it got programmed that we're not good enough. And so that's existing in the subconscious. 
And I guess I'm just wondering about how, when we're in that space in hypnosis, is that something that, because I guess I'll phrase it this way too, that my understanding of a, a good way to go in and kind of rewrite those beliefs is doing that in a, in a theta meditative or hypnotic state is going in and accessing wh- why do I have this belief? Oh, well, when I was five, you know, my mom left and this and that. And so then now I'm feeling this way. And that's all kind of information that's stored in the subconscious. And so I guess I'm just wondering how any of that, you know, with limiting beliefs and things stored in the subconscious and this active rewrite, does any of that ever come into play in any of the work that you do, whether it's kind of while someone is in session or or after the having that stuff, being in that state, does it stir anything up? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, actually, no, it's really good question. And I'm really glad you a- answered this uh, because it brings up something that I think is, is at least partially relevant to this. And that is the role of the ego, mm-hmm. because um, I'm actually going through this with, with, with my son because uh, he, he turned 12. And so he's becoming a young man now, but from about age seven, I, I would do um, uh, past life regression on him. Wow. And, um, and, and, you know, I, I even put a couple of videos out about it. Um, but basically it taught me a lot about him uh, and it taught him a lot about himself. For example, we found out why he loves uh, mango in, uh, because when he was a poor kid, they had nothing and they had to steal from this market in, wow. in, 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 in the thing, the favorite thing he loved to steal was mango. And, but he never got caught. So he was very agile. So he's like playing soccer at, uh, with boys, you know, two years older than him because yeah. he's, he's, he's that good. So, uh, um, you, you really learn the, about, uh, about, um, about yourself. So actually it's funny because now that he's, he's older, he's not in that primary, primary theta state a- anymore. I mean, that, that's up until about age seven, but from age 12, it really is minimized. And uh, he's like, I don't want to do the regressions anymore because it's not so clear now, oh. you know, <laughs> you know, cause he, I, he said he was getting amazing, cl- amazingly clear visions when he was like seven years old. I can imagine what a gift. Yeah. 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 So I, so I bring that up to show the role of the ego. So he's 12, the ego's coming in. So this is, um, uh, you know, uh, Dolores Cannon writes about this. Other hypnotists write about this. Um, they talk about how um, we have a plan to come to Earth, and then when we get to Earth, the trappings of a material world begin to distract us. Um, typically, wealth, uh, power, and and fame, and so we get distracted from our uh, original mission because our ego experiences fear on this planet because. We perceive it as as hostile, whether that's true or not. I I, I don't know, but because we perceive it uh, in a fearful way, we perceive cold, lack of food, dangerous uh, dangerous animals, viruses, bacteria, um, and also you know bad weather, volcanoes, tsunamis. All of these things uh, make us want to accumulate resources, mm-hmm. and though accumulating resources makes us feel safe. And so when somebody gets good at accumulating resources, you know, they become really wealthy, let's say, or really famous or really powerful. And that compensates for that 
fear that they perceive, and it's just a perception, but that fear that it is, is inside of them. So what happens is the ego gets really good at its job. It gets really good at making money, let's say. It's really good at making great movies. And so the, the, the ego loves that. I mean, and so the great thing about, um, like kids in a theta state up to age seven, the great thing about hypnosis is um, the ego can step aside. And when that ego steps aside, those programs that um, that are running, which it's very similar to what you said earlier about, am I good enough? The ego's question is, is do I have enough? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough power? Am I, do I have enough love from other people? Because it's external looking. It's looking out of this world and it sees all this fear. And so it wants to, wants to take, take from that and pack in that, that hole, that void, that lack that it perceives. And it's just perceived, uh, perceived lack. By putting that ego off to the side, we can then access the other programs that are, that are running that um, maybe um, say a severe case of lack that are causing this person to have impatience about their career path and not be focused on their relationships with other people or destroy their health in this, like myself, this crazy goal to overcome um, some lack that is running based on a program that is from actually maybe even a past life maybe or it's from the person's person's childhood so yeah so that that part of it does help us get into um the un, the underlying um programs yeah so powerful and that's so so healing in that and i feel like i would be remiss if we didn't briefly mention something that you touched on before but how like physically people have experienced healings through this, you know, mm -hmm. where you experience like total cessation <clears throat> for a period of time of your symptoms. But um, it's, is, isn't that true that people have literally physically healed, you know, kind of from what, what doctors would say, we can't explain this, but mm -hmm. healed from con various conditions. Yeah. Yeah, so QHHT is from age, seven, age 16, 17, you know, um, for clients. I mean, you know, I just do it on my, on, on my son. You know, I guess uh, CPS will come, from, come after me for child abuse. But, yeah, well, but, it, but, but no, but it's been a great experience. Actually, it's an amazing bonding experience. But um, I had a, um, a young man, um, he was 17, and he, his family, they, they drove 150 miles, and they had been – he had been on medicines and been with psych, uh, psychiatrists, uh, child psychiatrists for years. And so, um, but it was just uh, an attachment in his, in his psyche. And he came in and he's all slumped down and sad and oh, I'm depressed. And he walked out with a big smile on his face, face. And it was like, it was just in my mind. It was just something in his, in his, in his mind. But yeah, other people have had, um, uh, sensations in their body. So more physical sense. So that's more, you know, emotional, mental that this is, uh, there's other cases of physical sensations where you have, um, physical, physical healing in your body. You over, overcome where things, things can, uh, get repaired and people, uh, when, when I count them out, for example, a lady who had a back issue, when I, I counted her out, she was like stretching her back. She goes, wow, it feels totally different than before. I don't feel any pain, you know? So there, there is that, um, that kind of healing. There's also heads up, uh, healing as well, you know, like, um, 
there are different reasons why uh, the higher self might not heal somebody. So, for example, we do a body scan, and in one body scan with this lady a few months ago, the higher self said, oh, you know, she's getting a, a cavity on the, her left lower uh, jaw, one of her molars at the back. She's got to go to the dentist. Um, oh, can you heal that now? No, she doesn't take good enough care of her, of her teeth, and she's skipped going to the dentist, and she doesn't floss properly, and so she's really got to got to get involved with this herself and no we're not going to do it for her this time it's it's not appropriate so that's that's something it's about the appropriateness Mm. as well you know if it's appropriate and somebody's somebody's got there and like by virtue of coming to a hypnosis session someone we believe someone is called to a session you know their higher self says you should have a session their ego steps aside and 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 says yep you should have a session and i'm going to let you go but i'm going to step aside and let up, let it happen and in that case the person is doing the work because they're open to hypnosis as a healing method and so when they have the session then they do get healed but in some cases the higher self like i said would say it's not appropriate and this person needs to do some work on themselves um so um as as they work on themselves they will, they, we will work with them to heal them. Definitely. That resonates for sure. And, and the other way to say that would be, you know, that it's somebody's soul lesson, right? Like that, that they part of what they came here to learn and that whatever pain or, or sensation it might be, we just hope that, okay, well, can you just fix it? It's like, well, no, because this is part of what you signed up for as you, as you beautifully described before that we volunteer for, you know, I believe that I volunteered for this role as Paige. And for me, like I have a lot of physical pain in my body, just chronic pain, and it's Mm -hmm. a tightness and it feels like I'm trapped. Like everything, it's the fascia system in my body is just Mm -hmm. so constricted and it gets really tight, especially in times that I'm stressed, of course, and different things. And I'm writing a book right now on, on freedom. And that has to do with beliefs, you know, the beliefs that all existed in my head that kept me from being free and feeling that inner peace and feeling free. But what I describe is, you know, that it was all mental cages. And Mm. so of course, right, like for me, the tightness in my body reminds me, it gives me the feeling that I'm trapped and it gives Mm. me the feeling that I'm not free. And Mm -hmm. part of my mission in life is working with this feeling and inner knowing of freedom tell Mm -hmm. to that so to me you know I'm not surprised that I haven't eliminated this this sensation that I experienced this this pain that I experienced in my body because I believe that it's an integral part of what I'm learning and who I'm here to be so I just think that that is probably a good example of what we're talking about there yeah one way a friend of mine says it this way she said uh, that's how they message you right yeah definitely And it's, yeah. and it's true that I get the physical pain when something in my life is out of whack or feels contracted or is, is preventing me from that inner peace, that inner freedom. So absolutely, mm-hmm. I, I take it as a message. And if anybody, you know, if there's anything to take away from this, from this conversation, there's so many things. But I think one of the big ones is that taking our human experience as a lesson. And mm-hmm. you know that goes for, for past experiences and this one, just tuning in and like you said, being present and what what is this trying to tell me? What's the lesson here? What is this revealing? What gift or what lesson or what challenge is this revealing? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, the Dolores Cannon would say in school, you learn you uh, learn the lesson and then you take the test. But in life, um, you get the test and then you learn the lesson. Love it. So it's reversed. But but yeah, the, the lesson, it's, it's, it's important, I believe, to both understand the lesson, but then also integrate it in a way that is, is, is somewhat of a re- release. Right. So it's this, this acceptance. Um, because I know that previously my issue was um, resisting, resisting the discomfort. Mm-hmm. And um, and I still do that a little bit sometimes, but most of the time it's more about um, w- what this message is teaching me. And then now I'm at the point where not not a hundred percent, but there's a portion of the messages where when I get that I, when I get a certain kind of discomfort, I immediately stop. And it's like, okay, what am I doing? What am I thinking? It's like, oh, oh, that again. Oh, for example, oh, I'm pushing myself too hard. And I, and I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to stop right now, you know, put down whatever I'm doing. And, but we, you know, there's other physical ways to, to, to feel it too, you know? And like, for example, I asked my higher self to give me a message when I'm pushed too hard and it makes my, my wrist hurt. Like my, my wrist will start hurting like crazy. And I, and I, like, I literally, sometimes I'll go and put an ice pack on it and it's like, and then I'll just think, okay, well, what was I doing? Oh. Oh, I was trying to control. I was trying to predetermine some future outcome so that I felt safe or that so that I would get there faster because because you know I'm feeling impatient because I don't have enough and 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 we only have a limited time and I got to do as much as I can on this oh, yeah. uh, within this a, a lot of time right and so so it's like no no you're pushing too hard let go and then you wow. and then yeah wow yeah that really resonates that's that's usually where I'm getting yelled at from the universe as well with the, with the gripping and the clinging and controlling. Oh Mm -hmm. man. I know that, um, that you're located in Vancouver and I think that we actually do have some, some Vancouver area people listening. And so definitely we want to encourage them to, to reach out to you, but also, um, tell us a bit about how people can connect with you in general, learn more from you and potentially do a virtual session with you. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. So um, the easiest way is soulpathways.com. That's my uh, website. And also on Instagram, soulpathways, just that's what it is. It's all letters. Um, And those are the, probably the main ways, but there's also the QHHT website where um, you can look for QHHT practitioners and that's QHHTofficial.com. So I'm listed there and then there's other practitioners too. So people can have a selection. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you kind of want to leave people with that you want people to know about? about QHHT or yourself or kind of anything else you want to share with us before, before we let you go. This has been so, so beautiful and so informative. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. I've enjoyed talking to you too. Yeah. If I can say um, one last thing, I would just say that however you access this information, whether it's QHHT or other methods, to me, this is how you transform as much as possible in this lifetime on this planet is getting this information and it's the, and, and using it to your benefit and, and, and keeping going, accessing this information, learning from it, 
uh, and, and transforming yourself. I, I think it's magical that way. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige, and I am so grateful to play even the smallest role in your journey to living a more authentic, more aligned, more wild and free life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, and I'll see you next time.